All right, another edition of our EdTrex podcast. This time we're at USET, Salt Lake City. Again, just finished up one other podcast here. So here's the, yeah. the second one. We're on a roll, I would have to say. Exactly. But Quinn and Matt here, along we'll go around the room. Let's do some introductions. Who do we got today? I am Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, and I'm here in Utah, all the way from New Jersey. Yes. And I'm Lynn Smartis. I have a Travel Gluten Free podcast, and I also teach um, technology at Matheson Junior High in Madeline, Utah. Awesome. So we just met you. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Here. You got this. So, yeah. So my podcast, so uh, my daughter's celiac, and I'm gluten intolerant. And so my podcast is basically all about how to be gluten-free and how to travel when you're gluten-free. Oh, because wow. a lot of times when you think of gluten-free, you think, oh, you just can't eat bread. But it's a lot like soy sauce and other things that you would never think of. And then when you get really sick from it, that kind of stinks when you're on vacation and you're sick from your gluten. So, I completely relate. My daughter had a peanut allergy. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. So traveling and going around. It's, and, like, it's like, yeah, trying, oh. to, trying to order something off of a uh, uh, restaurant menu is like, like, like maneuvering through a minefield, right. basically. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a so, great topic. So my podcast Very is helpful. a huge resource for anybody who's gluten-free and who likes to travel, and who, or who just generally is gluten-free. And you're a teacher as well? Yep, and I teach, yep, and I awesome. teach uh, technology. I teach CTE, keyboarding, and digital literacy, and awesome. coding. Well, let's talk to the person with probably the most expertise on podcasting. Tell us about your background, Chris. So by day, I am a high school social studies teacher. I work in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and I've worked there for six years. And five years ago now, uh, my wife said to me, I'm tired of listening to you talk about your passion for education and technology. You should start a podcast. So from that moment at the end of 2013, the House of Ed Tech was born. <laughs> and I am you know, now over 100 episodes into my show's run. And I love creating podcasts. I love talking about podcasting. Uh, I, I've worked with Lynn a little bit from a distance to, to help her with the Travel Gluten-Free podcast. So that's a little bit about me. And Chris was actually the reason why I got into it because I was going to start a blog and do a blog about it. And Chris is like, well, everybody does blogs. Why not do your podcast first? And I'm like, never thought of that. That's an awesome question. So we talked about that in early November because I was out on the East Coast for the AMLE. I was speaking at the AMLE National Convention. And um, so we had talked about that, and then I did the, um, I started, I just finished my podcast in February with the podcast movement competition. Oh, wonderful. So our last person that we, we, we interviewed, Je Ginger Lumen um, from SDEC in Kansas, and, or SDAC, sorry. Mm -hmm. I made that mistake yep, again. I made it last again. time. Yep. Um, we'll be the last. Um, and we talked a lot about the idea of project-based learning. So in my mind, project-based learning can be directly applied to podcasting. How do you guys see the relationship between those two ideas? Go for it. So with project-based learning, I taught science for a lot of years. And so with project-based learning, basically what you want to do is you want to take a standard that you want to teach and then you want to be, like make a project around that standard. And so podcasting is a really great medium for that, I think, because um, you can, for, for any subject, not just science, but basically you can take um, any curriculum standard that you have and have kids build a podcast around that standard. And it can be really simple. It doesn't have to be a huge standard. It can be a very, very simple one. Um, and you can, um, it can be like a substandard even. But I think podcasting is a great way to do it because it gets kids involved. They have to plan. And so it also helps with like organization and teamwork um, and just team building and all those really great executive functioning skills that kids really need to learn it just in just to be a good society member and also like for job skills ahead of time as well. I agree with everything that Lynn said, and for me, uh, my classroom this year is primarily project-based. Uh, I've pretty much abandoned the actual written curriculum that was sort of given to me, and I'm using the 10 themes of social studies to drive my course this year, and while my kids would probably fail a final exam 
in world history, they can create using Adobe Spark, Google Sites, record audio, you know, use Flipgrid, get in front of a camera, and they will not hesitate to be creators and collaborators. And I think that's more valuable than being able to, you know, answer Jeopardy style questions. So definitely project-based learning, I think, regardless of the subject, is the way that we need to be, you know, moving towards. And, you know, for podcasting, it's, it's the tip of the creation iceberg, you know, for, for students or, or even adults like us, maybe it starts with podcasting and then maybe you find you want to get into being a video creator or you want to do web design or create the graphics or, you know, like we have the fancy hardware here with the, the digital audio recorders for your guys' setup. You know, maybe somebody wants to get into the technical part of it. They don't want to be the talent, but they'll make it run. So it's, it's, it's exposing students to all these different aspects of creating. And I would actually disagree with you on the testing part. You're not allowed to disagree with me. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. It's a competition. (laughs) Um, Because I think with project-based learning, when the kids get into it, they get so into it, I think they actually learn more because they'll they'll kind of sidetrack sometimes and find out other information that they wouldn't normally find out about it. Plus, the other thing I love about project-based learning is, like, when you get into, like, your work environment, like, your, your administrator doesn't give you a worksheet and say, hey, do this and then come back. You have to run the entire classroom. Like, your classroom is your project. So I think Hold it on, helps time out. with that a lot. What exactly are you disagreeing with me about? Oh, just the fact that you're <laughs> the testing part. Where, like, that you your students will fail. fail a test. I don't oh, think they would. I think they, they would fail a test. No. They would fail a multiple-choice test related to world history. I don't talk about dates. I don't lecture. We don't use the book. Yeah, but I think I hit on these co- so much more. So you can. They're still learning. Can I jump into this? I think you like. I'm going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're saying is is that if it was just a question of dates, facts, figures, and people names and things like that, versus knowing how to actually apply history to a context or a medium, your students would succeed at context application but they would fail at the dates and times and names and things like that. Is that what you're trying to say? Or am I, am I oversimplifying? Maybe oversimplifying. I, I will be blunt and say, I don't care about the history. Okay. I'm not making my students care about the history. If I was teaching language arts, I would have them still doing the same things, you know, doing Adobe Spark, collaborating in Google Docs, um, using Google Sheets, being able to do face-to-face conversation, uh, utilizing a tool like Flipgrid. Um, because when you get out there, and I don't say the real world, I say when you get out there, outside of school, there's no standardized test. Uh, you know, as you get towards the end of your career, uh, your student career, one of the most important tests you take is like your driver's exam. After that, you know, what other test does life throw at you? There are certainly no multiple choice tests once you get out into the world. Well, I think that, that goes back to what we were just discussing even in our last podcast is that the, the opportunity to go to create and prepare them, give them the skills when they do get out there, like you're saying, and they sit down in front of an employer and they get to say, you know, tell me some things that you've done. What are you able to do rather than what, what do you know about? Right. Yeah. So your employer is going to be looking for, I need people that can do things, not people that can recite things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and exactly. if they want to, you know, if they want to enjoy history and they want to become a historian, what ninth grader is going to decide that? From from my perspective, you know, they're going to take US 1, US 2, maybe a history elective before they graduate. And when they get to college, they may decide that they want to pursue that much further. And then that's their choice. I'm not going to force it down their throat as a 13, 14, 15 year old. The other thing I love about project-based learning, too, is it gives gives kids a choice. So like when I, my one project-based learning I did was um, 
the students could choose between like if they wanted to do Google Slides or if they wanted to do an Adobe Spark or if they wanted. So I gave them; they still had to do it within certain boundaries, but I gave them the choice of what they wanted to create with. And so I gave them. Um, they, I told them, I'm like, you must score, score full points. You have to not choose Google Slides. You have to do something more creative, like Adobe Spark or Nearpod or something else like that to create. And I think that that um, ownership with project-based learning is so important because the kids think they're owning it and they have a choice, but they're way more engaged in the content and in the process. And I think that's what another thing project-based learning does. It's more about the process than just you know, hand me back these answers. That's what's really valuable. I love how you give them the choice. And then I think along sometimes when you go the choice, you talk project-based learning, you're actually giving them a voice. Too, right? You give them kind of a platform or opportunity to actually speak up and do it. And I think podcasting literally can give them a voice. So where would you say, let's say somebody wanted to say do podcasting with their students in the classroom, where do they start? I'm going to recommend two places that people can start. The first one is that people check out Spreaker. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Spreaker you can use on your mobile device, iOS or Android. They have a great desktop platform that you can create content with on Mac or Windows. So that would be a great place to start for free. Uh, the other that I would recommend would be Anchor, and that's anchor.fm, and I'm talking Anchor like a boat. And that is a mobile-friendly app, iOS, Android, and also a little desktop platform where, again, just holding your phone up to your ear, start talking. Put it out to the world. For free. For free, exactly. <laughs> Which is the best way, right? Right. I mean, free is my favorite four-letter F word. Well, and, and so we're five episodes in here, and so we're kind of we're really rookies when it comes to podcasting still. But as we well, decided I, to do it, let me jump in here. It's your show, but I'm going to jump. Yeah, in. go ahead. So five episodes in, you started, you hit record. Exactly. You got past the big red elephant in the room. A lot of people don't hit record. Mm -hmm. They talk about it. They plan to plan the plan of the plan about the plan mm -hmm. to plan the plan of the planning podcast. And then is the plan really the plan? Plans well, change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, and so so when we got there, I, I was so surprised how easy it was to get it on iTunes, Google Play, on Stitcher. It's easy to get it out there. It was it literally took me like fifteen minutes. I felt like to create. Let's take it a step up. back here. For you, I created an account. And I well, just yeah, put in some but, info. But you got to think about this. Like one of the things that we're talking about here is we're dropping a lot of names here: Flipgrid and Spark and Spreaker and all these different things we got to take a step back and realize that we're engaged teachers and there are teachers out there that are just barely starting. They're just barely starting to find a tribe out there and they're trying to dig into podcasting or whatever and, and get that educational thing. They need this level of like getting past the record button and then knowing where to post and things like that. And that's, that's one of the most valuable things is like we say, it's easy for us to say, Oh, it's easy wow. to use Flipgrid. It's easy to use. So we spark. It's all these different things, but we have to take a step back and realize that for some teachers, for a lot of teachers, they can't get there. But well, to be fair, the disengaged teacher yeah. isn't listening to me or you. That's no, right. yeah, they're, they're not listening right now. But, but they audience, might but. be listening to this because a friend told them, hey, listen to this podcast. And I think if you're thinking about podcasting, the best thing to do is to just search podcasts and pick out some you like. Mm -hmm. And then listen to them. And what, how I created my podcast was I listened to different podcasts. I'm like, oh, I like this from House of EdTech, and I like this part of this podcast from Story Behind. And so I kind of picked, and it's just kind of like when I made my website, I'm like, oh, I like this banner, I like this mm -hmm. on the side. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of pick what you like out of different people's podcasts and like make it your own. And I think that's just a really good place to start if you're thinking about an idea. And another thing I know is that like fear is one of the biggest um, things that pull people back. It's just the fear of doing it. And it's just like, I, 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 um, I um, coordinate this with like, like, 
jumping off a cliff into water. Like the first time I did it, it's like it was like 40 feet high, and, and everything in your head's telling you don't do it, you're gonna die. But you do it, you just go and do it anyway. So you have to just forget about the fear and just even just recording your voice and listen, doing it over and over again before you even do your first podcast and just listening to yourself to be comfortable with it really helps get past that. And know you're gonna make mistakes and it's fine. I make mistakes on my podcast, but um, it's not a big deal if you make mistakes. And if they're big enough, you can cut them out and, and I leave mistakes in and I know Chris does. And like when we say, um, or what, or, you know, and or, you know, um, <laughs> so just know you don't have to be perfect. It just has, it's gonna be yours and it's gonna be fun. And if you're having a fun time and you're doing it, even if it's a small, like 10 minute podcast, then that's an awesome place to start. Yeah, and eventually you'll be kicking people out of little conference rooms so you can set up to do a podcast, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Right? But I love what, at least by your fifth podcast. Yeah, exactly. By your fifth time. You're old pros <laughs> at that point. I love what Chris said, though, as far as getting started. I mean, we've got mobile phones right there. The app, mm-hmm. it's as simple as hitting record, mm-hmm. right? And, and it doesn't have to go out on iTunes or Google Play. You could just share so Those things, some, you know, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, it's like being excited about being in the phone book. Right. Yeah. Last time I yeah. checked, we don't run down the street and say, I'm published. I'm in the phone book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know I'm referencing a Steve Martin movie. <laughs> I don't remember. That but that's, we don't get excited about that. So, again, Lynn, what well, you were saying. Some people do. Some people do. Because that's a big deal. But ultimately, it was now my content can be shared. And when you're doing it with students or you're doing it yourself, you decide who and what you're going to share with. If you're doing a podcast with your students or in your school, you don't have to be in iTunes. Mm-hmm iTunes is just a directory. Mm-hmm. You can just distribute it on your school website or keep it local and small. It doesn't have to be a worldwide production. But if you really want to give your kids the opportunity to be in front of the most authentic and largest audience possible, stick that bad boy in iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Let them know that you're not just the only one listening to it. You know, when we talk about like writing assignments, don't be the only one who reads their work or grades it. Show it to as many people as you can. Share it with the world. And I think that's what's really cool about even students podcasting. They're already on social media. They like to share. Mm-hmm. And how proud are you usually when you create something? You're like, I did this. Look at this and share it out. And what, what a cool thing. We can all say, to. how many of us share on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook the bad things that happen to us? Yeah. We're only projecting and portraying the good things. Right. So kids these, these, kids these days, they do that. <laughs> they are very acclimated mm-hmm. to sharing. And this will help them and give them the skill to maybe share more appropriately. Mm-hmm. Well, it moves them from content consumers to content creators, which is a big step for, like yes. we were talking about, the real world issues, getting them into a place where they can actually have a marketable skill. And to show them how to create, like a lot of the kids know how to use Snapchat or to take a picture or a selfie, but they don't actually know how to really, the creation process, and they don't know what that looks like. And just making a podcast in the classroom, just giving them, like showing them what that process looks like is really important because they can think, oh, if I can do this, and I can take this process and apply it to something else. And that's application is like the highest level you can get on your classes, which is what we're really aiming for as teachers. And this process that, that we're talking about may translate to the kid who doesn't have an interest in audio content as a podcast, but maybe they're on Twitch and they're streaming themselves playing video games or Minecraft or anything like that. This process in the class about creating a podcast teaches them how to outline. What, is, what am I going to say? What am I going to think about before I put out my content? And ultimately, these kids, they want to, you know, maybe be the next big YouTuber, or maybe they want to make some money on Twitch when they're playing their games. They want to step up their production value. Doing this type of work in class is actual skills that they can apply. Yeah, when in, you'd referenced it earlier, but exposing them just to podcasting, right? It gets them interested in, in the possibilities mm-hmm. of other things and who knows where it'll take them. 
another good opportunity. Well, it also acts as just something that you can put if you were to say, let's do a project-based learning idea or uh, activity. Here's a menu. One of them is podcasting. One of them could be a Twitch stream, YouTube channel. There's tons of different things. There's so many options out there, but this is just another tool that we can grab onto as teachers and say, here's something that my student could do if they're interested in audio and content development. And just FYI, I did um, an audio, it was just an audio recording, it was not a podcast, and I had it hooked up to like as a QR code. And so when parents came in for parent-teacher conferences, they would scan the QR code, and it was a it was a diorama, and the, the students had um, a handwritten thing, and they would explain the diorama, but the parents heard it from their own student's voice, from their own kid's voice. And as a parent, that's really powerful. Like if I'm hearing, instead of just reading it on a piece of paper in front of the diorama, the parents' QR code scanned it, and then they could hear their child's voice. I mean, just imagine that power, how powerful that is if you had that at a parent-teacher conference, instead of just having like a bunch of work on the wall. I mean, you can have work on the wall, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But having a podcast that goes along with that, or just a podcast where you can have it playing in the background while you have parent-teacher conferences, I mean, that's just a really powerful tool. See, I would love that as a parent right yeah. now. My daughter is in second grade, and you ask her how her oh. day was, and she goes, the usual. I mean, it'd be great to go to parent-teacher conference and hear in her voice mm-hmm. the work that she's doing and the stuff that she creates. So absolutely, from a parent perspective, I love it. Or I talked about this in the session that, that you attended yesterday, Matt, mm-hmm. that you know I, I'm currently looking at for House of Ed Tech to maybe develop like an Amazon Alexa skill. And sorry if I just set your Amazon device off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be careful Alexa, when we're order bread. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, subscribe to the House of Ed Tech podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, but to, to have your daughter come home and say, yeah, dad, or, or you go on, on the Google device. Yeah, here's what we did today. And your daughter can say to, to your AI at home, play our class podcast. And then, he, oh, here's my part coming up. And now you're engaging in even more meaningful conversation with your child. And just to go back one step with engaging the parents in general, you know, maybe you live in a community that is maybe more military-based and maybe mom or dad is stationed overseas and isn't there all the time. Now I could be anywhere in the world and be up to date with what's going on back at home and in my child's life and in the school community, I can still feel engaged in a part of that. Fundamentally, I think what that does, I mean, that kid comes home and they say, hey, listen to the podcast I created. That means they're excited to go back to school the next day, right? And as a Mm -hmm. teacher, when they're excited, isn't that so much easier to kind of get them them to the next step? It's almost zero when they're excited about doing stuff. I mean, they're just waiting for you. Yeah, for sure. Call it controlled chaos. Exactly. The kids are excited and they're doing the project. They're actually able to run around, do whatever they need to, but they're doing it in a way that empowers them to learn. You don't really have to control too much in what's going on. I love me a good help in a controlled chaos. I love that's my favorite environment to teach is controlled chaos. Bring on the chaos. Uh, So I'll I'll kind of, uh, we'll wrap up with this one Well, actually, I have one more question. You have one more question? I have another question too. We're not going to wrap up then. Okay. Well, I was just going to say... One Excellent job. Lie to your audience. Keep going. <laughs> um, and that gotcha. will all be in the podcast, by the way. Um, I really loved yesterday, you brought up the story of the guy who had his students make a podcast every day. It was an inspirational quote. De-identified so the students, nobody knew who it was, but the parents could tell it was their child. That seems like a huge success, success as, as a teacher. What have you guys seen uh, as successes for yourself in the classroom with podcasting with students? Um, what was like the aha moment for your students? I think that's something that a lot of them can take away from. Well, I know I have not done podcasting um, with my students yet, but one of the things I was talking to one of my students about was there was, uh, I asked him, I said, do you think, and I teach middle school, so it's seventh and eighth grade, and I said, do you think kids your age will listen to podcasts? He's like, no, probably not. And I'm like, well, how about if kids your age made a podcast that was relevant to you, would you listen to it? And he goes, 
Yeah, I think enough of us would listen to it if it was somebody like someone our age actually talking about something you know that was an, a, a relevant issue for them. So I think that their voice having it would definitely be a big game changer for teenagers for sure. For me, I am working this year towards that. Um, so we've been doing small bits of creation. So working in Adobe Spark, where in September and October it was make the automated slideshow, pick music, and then it was now the requirement is you've got to do the audio narration. And then, oh, now we're doing Flipgrid. You must show your face. We've I'm been working to get them comfortable and kind of breaking down some of the fear that I, anybody can really have about scaffolding <laughs> for, for them. So really when we get in my school into the fourth marking period, um, they're not going to hear this, but so I can spoil it. We're going to be getting into a genius hour, passion, 20% situation in the last marking period where I will then pitch it as, okay, start a YouTube channel, go to podcasting, uh, create content, write a blog. And these are all things we've been working towards all year. And then in just a couple of weeks from now, as we're sitting here, they will be faced with these opportunities to, to create. So for my kids, it's coming. It's wonderful. So All right. So my, well, my last question is, you know, what would you say to people out there that are starting a podcast not to do? Avoid. Is there anything or pitfalls or mistakes that maybe you made along the way or things that you would change or advice? That's like a whole other episode. Okay. Oh, but no. I'll try. Well, we'll pick one, pick <laughs> one thing. Can I go first, Chris, since I'm maybe. the newest podcaster? Go ahead. Okay. So I think the definitely thing I would definitely suggest for people to do is I would definitely go on School of Podcasting and check out their Saturday morning show. That has been really invaluable to me. Um, and just reach out to other people who have podcasting shows about podcasting and ask them questions. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask questions like you're not bothering people. People are always willing to reach out and help you with things, um, especially if you're a new podcaster to get you on board. So I would say don't be afraid to ask questions. Just reach out to people, um, you know, and listen to all the podcasts about podcasting. I think that's, that's, my, that's my two cents for sure. I have to immediately echo those sentiments because as, and we all here, we are indie podcasters. We're not NPR. We're not Radiotopia. Not yet. Not yet. One day. So if you're listening, <laughs> scaffolding. Re reach yes, out. Exactly. <laughs> it's a process. Um, reach out to anybody. Reach out to any one of the four of us because we're doing it. So reach out to other educators. Um, shameless plug, go to the Education Podcast Network at edupodcastnetwork.com and you can connect with other educators who are creating education podcasts who are and have done it with students or in their districts or in their schools, ask questions. We ask and try to teach our students to do that and be lifelong learners. Now is the time for us to even model that and not be afraid to fail and share that with our students to say, hey, I don't know how to podcast, but we're all going to learn this together. So maybe you can bring in via not a mystery hangout or a mystery Skype, but actually bring in a podcaster. I'm happy to Google hang out with anybody. I love to talk. <laughs> so Ask those questions. And, and so really all I can do is echo what you just said, Lynn, which is ask and seek out the information to do this. And it might not work. It might be laborious. You might hate it. But you tried it. And that's okay. I can't think of a better way to end it. No, that's a perfect way to end. Where can we find your podcasts? So my traveling free podcast is on uh, iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher. And pretty much uh, I've got it on seven different channels right now. So anywhere you find your favorite podcast, you will find traveling free. And I'm still Chris Nessie. Please connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Nessie. And I host the House of EdTech podcast, which you can find at chrisnessie.com. And my two co-hosts on another show would be upset if I didn't mention it. But we co-host a podcast called Podcast PD, which you can find at podcastpd.com. 
Uh, do you have any conferences coming up, Chris, that you're going to speak at again? Sure, I'll, I will date this podcast. We're recording this here. It's going to uh, go up on Monday. So yeah, we're okay. so, so we're here. You said, as we said, uh, I'll, the next thing I'll be at is going to be a conference called Tomorrow's Classrooms Today, and that's a conference where I am in New Jersey. Um, if you happen to be out in New Jersey in May, go to evolvingeducators.com, and we can meet up there. And I'm doing a session on uh, how to support that teacher, which we can take in a number of different ways. But that's where I'll be in May. And so my, my next one will actually be tomorrow. I will be at the Gluten-Free World Expo. You mean two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be at the Gluten-Free World Expo um, tomorrow, which is Saturday, but it'll be two days ago when this is podcast, yes. But I, have been, I, have, I don't have any more educational uh, speaking gigs planned for this year so far. Well, great. We appreciate you taking the time, and we can't hear wait to hear what you, you create. So awesome. thank, you, thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah.